God before us, God beside us, God behind us, God above us. Be also now between us a bridge through which your truth may move. In the name of the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Can everybody hear me okay? Because I could always go over to this mic and then be mic'd, but that doesn't seem necessary so much today. We don't have the, you know, for, uh, for the concert we had here, the piano concert, they had the, uh, the motorbike convention down in Panama City, which happened to end in perfect timing for everybody to roll by, roar by at the time of the concert. So fortunately, that's not going on today. Keep calm and carry on. We've all seen that, right? Um, it, 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 it's now on everything. Mugs, posters. We see it, it, you know, memes on the Internet, except for they've replaced the words with different things. Um, keep calm and carry on. I've got some note cards that I will send to people at Curcio. Usually time to be about the middle of that uh, spiritual weekend because it always seems like you need a little word of, of encouragement in the middle of anything. Keep calm and carry on. The poster itself, or the saying, comes from a poster that the British government put out in 1939 um, during World War II um, as a word of encouragement, a word of hope for the British people, keep calm and carry on. And it, it makes sense, doesn't it? At the time of, of uh, anxiety, at the time of fear, at the time of kind of being hunkered down, you need a little word of encouragement. However, um, somehow a poster that says keep calm and carry on Seems not quite enough when you have you know, bombs are coming all around you and your whole world is being turned on its ear. Um, but we've all been in those moments, haven't we? Where we have been racked with fear, racked with anxiety, needing a word like that. Stay calm. It will be okay. Just put one foot in front of the other and move forward. Um, retirement. I don't know how many of you here are retired or are facing retirement in the next few years, but I can imagine that at that point, you think, okay, this is something that has defined me for 30 plus years. It's everything I know. What will I do? I mean, as much as I might be looking forward to time off, time away, who am I? What am I? You could be at a time where you're going from middle school to high school or from grade school to middle school. Hold on, I was a fifth, I, fifth grade, I was the big, big man on campus. You know, I'm now coming into this. Who, who am I? What, what's going on? Keep calm and carry on. I mean, we've all kinds of, your wedding day. I can remember when I got out of, I was, the last week of law school, I was thinking, hold on a second. It's about to get real around here. <laughs> you know what, I got to get a job. What's going on? You know, this is, this is the real deal. Um, I, what do you mean I'm going to have to pay my own car insurance? You know, what is that? You know, how does that work? Um, so we've all been in those places where we've looked at a mountain of some sort um, and thought, how do I get over that? What am I going to do? And the question in many ways is very positive because it allows you to plan for tomorrow. It allows you to say, well, I got to know what's going to happen tomorrow and the next day and the next day and life goes on. But it can also lead to a certain amount of paralysis. 
if we sit down and say, what do I do now? And the question ends there. And I know people like that, that have been racked with that question or have been obsessed with the mountain that is in front of them and then the rest of their life becomes the mountain in front of them. It becomes how it's so big or how it's unfair or how it is whatever it is. You fill in the blank. And that becomes a way of life or it becomes a place to sit and to make your habitation or your home. And in other ways, those platitudes, so it can lead to paralysis, but platitudes like keep calm and carry on are, well, thanks for that. That doesn't do me any good. Right or how about this one? Um, God never gives you more than you can handle. No, I don't know. This, this feels like more than I can handle right now. Right? So, so please leave me before I literally choke the life out of you. Um, or how about this one? I read this in a, in a saying by Anne Lamott. She was doing a little reflection. You can't have faith and fear at the same time. Wrong. I've had faith and fear at the same time. You know, I've been scared to death not knowing what I'm going to do or what's coming next or where I'm going to get my next dollar, or whatever it is. Um, And I still feel like I've had faith in God, but I have almost been paralyzed by fear. And so I think our readings today, today is the Ascension Sunday, where Jesus is assumed, rises back into heaven and gives the Holy Spirit to the disciples who are left. I think Jesus knew both of these things were going on in any normal human being, that What do we do now is going to be playing and is going to be at work and platitudes ain't enough, right? They feel good for about 15 minutes and then I'm back in the dark room by myself and you're gone. Thanks very much for the chicken pot pie and for the little saying that I can hang on my refrigerator, but now it's me and it's God and I got to figure out what to do. And I think Jesus knew this. The, the Ascension and these readings for the Ascension, you know, Luke wrote both Acts and the Gospel of Luke, or we believe that he did. And, and Acts and Luke are the only two places that we find word about the Ascension. But gosh, it's, it's so powerful. And it speaks to me at least where I am today, and I don't know about you, but I'm always preaching to myself. Because the disciples initially say, when Jesus is kind of preparing them, they say, well, is this the time where you are going to bring about the kingdom? And Jesus almost, you can hear it, He almost snaps at them and says, that's not for you to know. I'm sending my Holy Spirit, almost as if to say there's work to do here. Then He ascends into heaven, and what do they do? What would you do? It's what I would do. Well, dadgum, how did he do that? And um, what are we going to do now? Right? Um, I have strength when when he's around, but now he's not around, and so I don't know what I'm going to do, and this is all of them. And so then, two men in white, angels, whatever you want to call them, I believe they're the same two that were at the tomb, that said, men of Galilee, why are you sitting around a tomb? He's gone before you and is in Galilee waiting for you. And so now they say, men of Galilee, why are you staring into heaven? As if to say there is work to do here. God has given you each other to be strengthened, to be strong. And God has given you something more than that. And has given you something more than a platitude. 
God has breathed His Holy Spirit upon you. And the Spirit of God moves among you. And the Spirit of God, if you learn to lean into that, will be a strength for you, will be a wisdom for you, will be a light for you to put one foot in front of the other. In that same reflection, I once heard, or Anne Lamott said that, um, and I can't remember the theologian's name or the scholar's name, who said, we're all just walking each other home. I love that. Let me walk you home. Let me walk you home in darkness. Let me walk you home in safety. Let me make sure you make it. God has given us each other to walk each other home. To walk each other past that mountain. But God has also given us the gift of the Holy Spirit to be able to look at that mountain, whatever it is that is in front of you, and to say, I will conquer that mountain. That mountain will not conquer me. Because I have the Holy Spirit if I can learn to lean into that. And I have the people of God next to me if I can be vulnerable enough to say, I need you. I have to have you walk me home. Please don't leave me. It is dark right now in my life. I need you to remind me that the Holy Spirit moves in my life. And why is it that we're so afraid to do that? Particularly men. Why are we so perceptive to vulnerability that we can't say, I need you to help me walk home just like you need me. And God has given us the people of God, has given us each other, and has given us the power of the Holy Spirit to look at that mountain and say, I will defeat you, not by myself, but with the people of God and with God Almighty, you will be brought to sea level and I will walk over you whether it is here or hereafter. That shall not be the last word of this life or the life to come. It will not be the last word from God. You know, Karl Barth, I'm smiling because I know Daniel's over there going, I knew this was coming. Um, Karl Barth, who is arguably one of the greatest theologians of the 20th century, and in my opinion, one of the greatest theologians of all time. So I'm looking over at Daniel because he said, you know, you're a Barthian. Um, I love Karl Barth. But at the end of his life, this guy wrote 10,000 pages More than that. How many was it? 20,000 pages of theology. I mean, it fills up 50 volumes. One of the, just the great minds of the world. He's at Chicago Divinity School and he's up there and he's talking at the end of his life, very sick, very feeble. And the president of the Divinity School gets up there after it's over and he says, you know, he's too feeble to get up here and answer any questions from you. So I'm going to ask him one question on behalf of everybody. In all of your work, in all that you've written, in all that you know, if there's one theological, and theology just means talk about God, if there's one theological insight that you could sum it up or could be the most important for you, what would it be? He sat there for a minute, put his head down, and he said, if there's one theological insight, it would be this. Jesus loves me, This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Y'all, that is not a platitude. That is not something to hang on your refrigerator, although it's fine if it's there. That is the power of God that has been breathed into your life. You, 
God has loved you so much that He crawled up onto a cross and died for you so that you may live as if death were no more. And more than that, He didn't just ascend into heaven waiting for you. He breathed His Holy Spirit upon all of us that we may have power and wisdom and insight in this world today. Are we leaning into that love? Are we feeling that power in the midst of our lives? And He has given us the people of God around us, called us into community. Are we leaning on that? Because when we do, armed with the power of God, arm in arm with each other, we can keep calm and we can carry on from here to hereafter. Amen.